on, we're going to reflect on God's love today. God's love. God wants us to know his love. He wants us to understand how much he loves us. Because listen, it's only when we understand the love of God that we can really and truly love him in return and love the people around us. Because who knows, listen, and kids, this is so important, who knows that we can do, whether we're adults, whether we're kids, we can do the right things in the wrong ways. Let me say that again. We can do the right things in the wrong way. So kids, let me just ask you, have your mom or your dad or your parent, your guardian, have they ever asked you to do something around the house like, hey, stop playing that video game and go clean your room? Have you ever been asked to do something like that before? And yeah, I see some hands. Thank you, kids. And, and how many times did maybe, well, you didn't do the right thing right away. Uh, you kind of kept playing that game until they asked you a second or a third time, right? Uh, but, but not only that, when you finally responded, uh, you kind of did it with like a, oh, man, I got to go clean my room. I mean, one, one morning at our house, we couldn't even believe our ears. Titus Storms had just turned three years old and Mommy asked him to do something. And as he's walking off, we hear this sound. I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, we're like, where did you learn that from a TV show? Did you learn that from a sister? Did you learn that from mom or dad? Like, I mean, he just like let it out. He was not happy that he was asked to do what it was that he had to do. And adults can be no different. Sometimes we do the right things. We go to work, but we go to work for not necessarily the right reasons. Did you know that even pastors, even pastors and church leaders and spiritual leaders and group and team leaders, that, that we can do things as Christians, we can do the right things, but do them in the wrong ways. And what God really wants to see is not just us do the right things. He wants us to do the right things in the right way. And God says the right way is the way of love. The way of love. I love 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul says the aim of our charge. All right, let me just translate that. The goal of what God has asked us to do is, guess what word? Oh, come on now. You, you're smarter than that, family, all right? Come on, give it to me again. The aim of our charges? Okay, now, you, now, now I'm really starting to get concerned, all right? Because that's, it's, like, it's like when someone gave you the answer on the test, but you don't write it down. Okay, so, so let's just try it again. The aim of our charges? Love. The goal of everything we do is love that issues from a pure heart, clear conscience, and sincere faith. So listen, everything in our lives, all that we're about, we want to be filled with God's love. And as we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we come to some of the most famous words, perhaps the most famous chapter in all of the Bible that tells us about the way of love. 
All right, so kids, I want you to listen closely. Big kids, adults, I want you to listen closely to what Paul says. We're actually going to start in verse 31 of chapter 12. This is what Paul says, ending that verse. He says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. What is that way, Paul? Here it is. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The one thought I want you to really understand today, the one encouragement that I hope you will hold on to and seek to live out day by day by day is this, okay? Display... The spiritual fruit of love as you practice the spiritual gifts, all right? Display the spiritual fruit of love as you display and practice, practice the spiritual gifts. Now, why, why do I say fruit? Why am I talking about spiritual fruit when I say d display the spiritual fruit of love? Well, it's exactly what Paul calls it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, when he says what? But the fruit of the Spirit is what? You're doing better. You're not doing great, but you're doing better. The fruit of the Spirit is? There you go. Now, now, we, now, we're, now, we're, pay, now we're all in. Thank you, Jesus. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, basic, kind of good and faith, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no limitation, what Paul means. So, so what Paul is saying here is that when God comes to live in, some, 
inside of someone when they put their faith in Jesus. God gives us a new spiritual life. His Holy Spirit actually comes to dwell within us. And when we follow the ways of Jesus and we allow the Holy Spirit to live the life of Christ through us, I hope you're paying attention, okay, then we will display all of these beautiful things that look like Jesus. And the first one on his list is what it's Love, there we go, all right. So that's why we're talking about spiritual fruit. Okay, display spiritual fruit, the spiritual fruit of love as you practice the spiritual gifts. Now wait, time out, Pastor Tanner. Why are we talking about spiritual gifts? We're in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And, you know, I always think about this in terms of my human relationships. You know, the last time I went to a wedding, they read 1 Corinthians 13. And the time before that, they read 1 Corinthians 13. And the time before that, they read 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 is about love. It's about romantic, must be about romantic love. Must be about the way that we love our, our friends, our roommates, our co-workers, or whatever. Well, sort of. I mean, yes, that is all relevant here, but we're talking about displaying the fruit of love as we practice the spiritual gifts because, check this out, chapter 12, right here, where we were the last two weeks, and chapter 14, where we'll be next week, is all about what? Spiritual gifts. But you're not wrong. Because, listen, I'm going to give you an A for that answer still. Because Paul sandwiches everything that he's saying about spiritual gifts and even talks about spiritual gifts right here in chapter 13. Because all of our practice of the spiritual gifts should be flowing from... Love. There we go. Display the spiritual fruit of love as you practice the spiritual gifts. Three truths from you for, from this chapter as we work our way through. Okay, number one, love is the most excellent way. Love is the most excellent way. After Paul has just talked about, as we saw last week, he talked about the indispensability of every person. That means that everyone's important, okay? Kids, listen, kids, you are so important in this church, okay? Everyone is important. Everyone has a part to play. And however God has gifted each one of us, our gifts have value, they have purpose, they contribute to the whole. No one, as we talked about last week, should feel inferior or superior. But no, we should all just operate in the ways that God has called us to live. And Paul says, as you do this, here is the key. He says at the end of chapter 12, this is the most excellent way. The, the NET translation says, I will show you a way that is beyond comparison. All right, what he's, what he's trying to say is, look, as you exercise your spiritual gifts, this is what's most important as you go about the practice of your gifts. And Paul then goes into a series of lofty thoughts that almost feel hyperbolic, okay, like such an exaggeration to make his point. But really, I think you could like test every phrase out. You could say, no, 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 like that's just the most extreme, like, expression of each one of these gifts, okay? And, and there is definitely hyperbole there uh, in, in all, all knowledge, all, uh, you know, wisdom and mysteries. But, but what Paul is doing here is this. Listen, he is arguing from the greater to the lesser. In other words, if, if I will, you know, could speak in the tongues of men and angels, he's saying every word I speak is important, Right? Every, every word matters. Every word should flow from the place of love. 
And, and just to make the connection between chapter 13 and chapter 12, as we see Paul make this, his points about the, the excellent way of love, he is pointing to the gift of tongues. Right? He's just talked about that multiple times in chapter 12. And now he gets to chapter 13 and he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, right? In other words, I can speak any language on earth. I maybe supernaturally speak another language on earth that I've never spoken before or speak in what could be called a heavenly or angelic language, uh, just a, a language that from the spirit that the spirit is producing in us that we've never spoken before. That's not intelligible to other people. That's the gift of tongues. He says, listen, if I do that, but it doesn't come from a place of love, he says that it means nothing. He's just a, a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. How many of you are loving the fact that it is now like sunny in New England, the, the sun is out, the temperatures have risen, and now we can like go get our cup of coffee in the morning. We can sit out on the patio. We can get some time just with the beautiful, you know, uh, God's creation and, and all this. And like, have you ever sat down? To enjoy your cup of coffee in the morning, maybe at, you know, your favorite local, I'm not going to name the names of the, all the shops, but you sit down and then the car in front of you starts going, uh, 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 uh. have you ever been there? Like, that's just like, it just ruins your moment, right? Man, like, I got to get out of here or please, God, send that person out to turn off their stinking alarm, right? So we, we have the, like Paul saying, it's like that. If we don't have love with whatever word we speak, it, it, it's just, it's that annoying. It's, it's, it's that, um, you know, actually harmful uh, to our uh, experience when we don't have love. But then he goes on in verse 2. And he says, I could have all prophetic powers. He says that he could, uh, sp uh, verse 2 says, uh, he could understand all mysteries and all knowledge. He could have all faith so as to remove mountains. But he says, if, if I'm not doing it from a place of love, if I'm not giving you a message given spontaneously from God, if, if I'm not uh, operating with this knowledge and wisdom, if this faith that I said, God, you can do anything and we're going to go for it. And it's like, if all of this doesn't come from a place of love, then Paul says, I am nothing. In other words, what Paul is saying is that we have contributed nothing, that our offering is empty in the sight of God. But then in verse 3, he says this. He, he, he's talked about the gift of tongues. He's talked about the gift of prophecy. He's talked about the gift of faith. And now he's talking about the gift of giving. We saw this in Romans 12. Did you? I mean, this is, this is real insight here. Uh, Paul didn't name the gift of giving in chapter 12. But then he slides in another gift right here in chapter 13, verse 3. He says, if I give away all that I have, he's saying you could empty your bank account. You could, you could give everything that you own. And then he takes it one step further, even to the most extreme example. And he says, if I give my body to be burned. In other words, if I, if I give my life in sacrifice for, for some great cause or for someone else. He says, if I don't do it from a place of love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. And I just want you to step back for a moment and really consider what Paul is saying. Because what Paul is, is saying here is this. We could give 
ourselves away. We could, we could give our body. We could give our entire life, but not give ourselves. Th think about this, all right? We could, we could give our body away. We could give everything that, that we have physically in this life, but not truly give of ourselves. Because Paul says it's more than just our action. It's more than just what we're offering in our service. It's about what is motivating that service, what is motivating that offering, that it has to come from a place of self-giving, which is what love is all about. And so Paul says these things. Listen, he says these things because he knows love is the very foundation of our existence. We are here because of God's love. We are here to love other people. Kids, who knows the two greatest commandments that Jesus said? Does any kid know the two greatest commandments that Jesus told us we are to fulfill? Anybody know? What is it? Love God, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. These these two commands are the most important because God made us for love. I love what 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 say. Look at this. Kids, you might want to jot this down. Beloved, let us love one another. This is how God wants us all to live. Let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because, here are three words to write down, God is love. God is love. The essence of God's being, the, the essence of who he is, his nature is defined by love. Listen, listen to what Michael Reeves, a, a theologian who wrote a great book on the, the, the Trinity, is called The Lighting in the Trinity, if you're interested in reading it this summer. All right, this is, this is what he says, and this particular uh, quote is a little more academic than the rest of the book, okay, so don't get intimidated. All right, I'm going to explain it for you. All right, kids, ask your parents when you get home. All right, here we go. He says this, the very nature of God, the very nature of the triune God is to be effusive, now, now, words have meaning and they matter. Sometimes you use a big word because it communicates more than what you could communicate with other words, all right? So the very nature of the triune God is effusive. It means that it lacks restraint. God is withholding nothing back from us. It is also ebullient. It is overflowing with excitement. Did you know that this is how God feels about you? This is how he feels about you. Effusive, ebullient, and... Bountiful, meaning abundant. The father rejoices to have another beside him and he finds his very self in pouring out his love. And then he says this, listen, creation and redemption is about the spreading, the diffusion, the outward explosion of that love. Wow. Wow. Why did God create the world? God created the world because God is love. Because he naturally pours out. Because he, he loves to have another beside him. He, he wants all of creation, including humanity, to know who he is and to experience his love. 
So I ask you today, kids, I ask you this, this morning, okay, why did God create you? The simple answer is this. God created you because God loves you. God created you because he loves you. And he wants you to know his love and to experience his love. And now this is why it's so important. I deeply believe that we will not be in a position, in fact, I think it's exactly what 1 John chapter 4 was telling us. We will not be in a position to love others well if we do not know and experience and continually receive the love of God. When someone really loves you, like when, when, when you know, listen, listen, let me just preach. Like when you know that someone loves you to the point where they know all of your flaws, they know how just messed up you can be and all the wrong things that you can do. And they love you anyway. Does it not put you at ease? Does it not like wrap your heart with a level of security that would then bring an absolute freedom to say, listen, I am so loved. I am so secure that now I can freely give the love that I have received to other people because I'm not worried about impressing them. I'm not worried about what other people think. Okay, because I'm so satisfied. I'm so uh, full of God's love that I can just freely give and freely give and freely give. This is, this is the connection between 1 Corinthians 13, having nothing if we have not love, and then everything that we do in service to others through our spiritual gifts. It has to be marked. Our serving God has to be marked by the most excellent way, the way of love. And I just want to say this. We have to drink deeply from the love of Christ. We have to. I know sometimes maybe people get tired of Pastor Tanner like getting up on this, you know, like have you heard of a soapbox, like a little box where, you know, preachers used to preach in public. So, you know, they would like bring a little box and like we don't, we don't really do that. Not that you can't and we're not judging anyone who does, but we just don't think it's like the most effective way to share the gospel with people around us. But uh, nevertheless, um, I'm just going to get up on a little box right here for a minute. Because we, we have to understand that the most important relationship that we have is our relationship with God. And, and I don't know about your, your human relationships, but, but I know about mine. That if I don't spend quality time with the people that I say I love the most, that there is a deterioration of that relationship. And I don't know them as well. And I don't experience their, their love in the same way. And they don't know my love for them in the same ways. And so we, we have to spend that focused face-to-face -face time with God. To, to, this is why as we talk about what it means to follow Jesus, and we've, we've talked about seven pursuits of a disciple. The first and most important pursuit is what? To seek God daily with passion and joy. Seek God daily with passion so that we enjoy God, that we spend some time with him, you know, hopefully in the morning or at least before you go to bed at night where it's just you and him, just focus. And then all throughout the day, you're still seeking him and you're still thinking about him and you're still enjoying him because that leads us into number two, which is to surrender daily to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
Because as we walk in his ways out of this love relationship that we're just enjoying him and receiving his love as we spend time with him, it puts us in a position to do everything else in life. You guys following me? Here, does it make sense? So the other, the other pursuits about sharing Jesus, uh, you know, weekly with bold faith and spending time building healthy relationships with the RC family. And then what? Serve with intentional love in the home, church, and city. Oh, that all flows from this receiving and enjoying a love relationship with God. That's more intimate than you can imagine right now. Oh, I love what David Butler said. I'm still on my... I'm still on my soapbox right here. David Butler, when he preached like three summers ago when I was on sabbatical and I went back and I listened to when he talked about get your feet wet. Go back and listen to it in August of 2018, I think it was. And he said, look, the reason that so many Christians would, like, would say, oh, like, this is just like whatever. That's just, you know, hyperbolic, Paul talk, preacher talk. God wants you to be more intimate and all this. It's like, look, the reason is there's skepticism is because of this. He said, you don't know what you're missing. You just don't. I don't. We don't. And so we, we, that's where faith comes in. We say, God, help us to believe that there is more with you. I mean, if God is what? I'm going to read this again. I'm just still on my soapbox. I'm going to stand over here now because uh, I'm still on my soapbox. The very nature of the triune God is to be lacking restraint, to be overflowing with excitement and how he loves us. So as we receive that love, that love empowers us. It empowers us to love everyone else. Kids, just know that Pastor Tanner preaches like this most every Sunday, right? Just most, most every Sunday, just saying. All right. <laughs> uh, not, but we're super excited that you're here for it this Sunday. All right, so, so, so number one, listen, we need to understand that love is the most excellent way. Everything we do, God, want, God wants it to be marked by his love. But then number two, this is so important. Love looks like Jesus. Love looks like Jesus. As Paul goes on and he talks about what love looks like, he records some of the most beautiful words ever put to paper. With poetic cadence, he gives 15 descriptors of what love is and what love is not. And here he takes us to the depths of love. We see that love cannot be reduced to the mere idea of romantic love or like an affinity to, to what we enjoy, you know, like 75 degrees sunny and the grill's hot and we're about to enjoy a good meal with friends. It's like, I love all of those things, but love is so much deeper than that. If you ask me, what is love? I would, I would say that love is giving of oneself for the benefit of others. Now, that may not be a perfect definition, okay, but uh, it's, it's a decent attempt, all right? Love is giving of oneself for the benefit of others. Love, love is, is giving. It's pouring out. It's outward facing. And we see this as Paul describes it in verses 4 through 7. And so, so as we read these uh, qualities and as I explain them uh, to us, I want you to think about you going out in your, the ways that God has gifted you to serve the, the people around you and serving in this kind of way. Encouraging other people in this kind of way. 
leading others in this kind of way. Speaking a message from God for someone else in this kind of way. Praying over someone for their healing in this kind of way. Extending mercy to help hurting people in this kind of way. This is the life of Christ on full display. Love is patient. Love does not back down in the face of hardship. Love shows up and serves when it is not easy. The old school translation, King James, still got to love it sometimes, right? Love is long-suffering. It suffers long. It hangs in there. Listen, love does not stare at the, the, the clock. Oh, I'm just like, you know, and like, I want to, but I'll serve you for so long, and then I'm out of here. No, like, love is patient. Love sets aside our own agendas to just simply serve the people God has placed in front of us. But not only that, love is kind. Love takes action. Love delivers God's goodness to others. It's not harsh, but it serves with a smile. When you serve, do you serve with a smile? When, when you, when you uh, spend time with others, bending a listening ear and getting your hands dirty to do whatever, maybe with a neighbor this weekend or, you know, is it with a smile? Do you display kindness in your soul? And then, and then these next ones kind of go together. Love does not envy, does not boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not insistent on its own way. And here we see just summarily that love is not self-focused. It's not focused on self. Again, the essence of love is to be outward facing, is to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them truly onto the people around us because we've all been there, right? Myself included, where it's like I'm serving and I just, hey, can I be super transparent for a moment? You guys might not know what goes through the mind of a preacher, but I can be thinking about like 10 different things while I'm preaching. I kid you not, it's wild how God like allows you to do that, okay? But, but one of those thoughts is like, is this resonating? Does this, oh man, like I heard, like, is this better? Like, oh, and this, and, and I can be concerned about who? About me. Rather than being here, just who cares about the dude in the brown shoe, whatever, like just to serve, just to love. We don't serve others for attention or applause. We want to help others in the variety of ways that God empowers us. We come with the attitude, you before me, your interests before my interests. And Paul is talking about this in chapter 13 because in chapter 12, what was implied was some people were what? They were like, hey, my gift is so important. Oh, I, yeah, I speak in tongues. What about you? I pray to God in tongues. What, what about you? Oh, did you know that, you know, this person, they can heal? Like, isn't that great? Oh, oh you just, what a, yeah, that that's, doesn't seem to be as important. We're going to spend most of our time reflecting and talking about and thanking God for all of these things that he's doing. And like, if we have a little bit of time left over, like, we'll talk about what you did last week and the great ways that you serve God. But, you know, they weren't like as great as these other ways. And this is what was going on in the church. We'll see this more as we get to chapter 14 next week. But love does not look to be seen. Mark 10, 45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this outward facing of love, 
This love that doesn't look to its own interests, but the interests of others. It helps put into perspective the events of this past week. We're surely all familiar with what happened in Texas at Robb Elementary School. Many of you have heard reports of sexual abuse among church leaders and the silencing of victims. And we step back and we ask ourselves, how can these things be? How can they happen? In each one of these instances, they're all the antithesis of love. Love doesn't seek to take from others or steal from others, but love seeks to give. Love seeks to pour out. God made us with a different vision for a different purpose. He made us to live like Christ. We go on and we see that Paul says love is not irritable, it's not resentful. And so again, I'll ask you a tough question. You know, how, how often as you're serving, okay, it could be in your home, all right, you know. Uh, it could be, you know, in the church, like showing up on Sundays to serve with one of our serve teams. Or, you know, it could be at work where you're just serving and doing your thing, okay. How many, how many Titus moments do you have? You're like, like, how many times do you sigh? And listen, it's okay to sigh. Like, no, no, like sometimes you should be frustrated. <laughs> it's okay to be angry. But sometimes, maybe most times, we're just sighing because we're selfish, not because anything's wrong or anyone did anything wrong to us. But love is not irritable. It's not resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Listen, when, when we serve, like we're going to go, we're going to have a movie night in the park this, this summer for our community. And, and whether we're, we're serving at a movie night or leading a women's study or just showing up, uh, you know, in the workplace again or offering a meal to those in need, are we bringing God's heart for what is right and what is true? Because love and truth are never competitors. They always go together. Love, he wraps up by saying, bears all things. It hangs in there. It believes all things. It believes the best about people. It hopes all things. It, it anticipates the good that is ahead. And love endures all things. It keeps going. And in all of this, all of this, listen, it reflects the heart of Jesus. When you read the Gospels and you see that Jesus was healing the sick and casting out demons and teaching the crowd and speaking with prophetic insight, how did he do it? Jesus was patient and kind. Jesus was not envious or boastful. He was not arrogant or rude. Jesus did not get irritable or resentful or insist on his own way. He didn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but he did certainly rejoice with the truth. Jesus bore all things, believed all things, hoped all things, endured all things. The love of Christ never ends. 
It's love that must motivate our service. It's love that must characterize our service. Love is the most excellent way. Love looks like Jesus. And then finally, listen, love lasts. It lasts. This is super important because what Paul is doing here, he is emphasizing the supremacy of love by comparing how long love lasts with how long the gifts last. And so he, he says in, in verse 8, he says that there is clearly going to be a time where prophecies will pass away. Tongues will cease. Knowledge, it will pass away. And so all of these gifts, he's saying they're going to pass away. They actually do have this expiration date, but there are various answers to when these gifts pass away. Some people say, hey, the, 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 some of these gifts like prophecy and tongues and in particular like words of knowledge given supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, um, like those were done with the time of the apostles. Or someone said, well, maybe not the apostles, but when the Bible was completed and we have, you know, the, 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 the totality of God's written word for his people, then that's when the gifts pass away and they're done. They cease. But as we shared two weeks ago, if you missed that sermon, go back and listen to it. It's super important because we believe the miraculous gifts are for today. All of the gifts that we see in the New Testament, not just the miraculous ones, they're all for today. And why is that? Well, it's because of what we read in verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, Paul says look, that all of our prophecy and, and, and all of the, the things that we do and what we know, it's all in part. In other words, it's, it's all... Uh, partial. It's incomplete. It's not yet uh, done or fulfilled. So, so what, he's, what he's saying here is as important as these gifts are and all of the good that they accomplish, how they encourage others, strengthen others, uh, comfort others, point others to Jesus, glorify God, like all of these things are so super important. But there is a time when these gifts will cease and verse 10 is the key. Because what does Paul say in verse 10? He says, but when the perfect comes. When the perfect comes. So simple question, but are things perfect? Is your life perfect? Is your workplace perfect? Paul can only be referring to the moment where Jesus returns and renews and restores everything. This, is, this verse is one of the primary reasons why it's not that like scripture is silent on whether or not the gifts continue. It actually seems to say right here, you can expect that the gifts will continue until Jesus comes back. Even the ones that we get semi or very uncomfortable with like prophecy and tongues and these types of gifts. And this is, this is pointed to, we want to interpret scripture with scripture, right? So 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared because but we, will, we know that when he appears, when Jesus comes back, when we see him with our physical eyes, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We will see him, as Paul says, face to face. And then just think about the words of Karl Barth. As you think about what Paul is saying here, I love what Barth said when he spoke of Jesus returning, he said this. You might write it down. Because the sun rises, all other lights are extinguished. 
Because the sun rises, all other lights are extinguished. I mean, we know this is like, this is scientifically true. Like, this is, like, this is the biological realities of you can, you can have your flashlight on all night, but when the sun shows up, your flashlight is unnecessary. Right? And that's, that's what Paul's saying. When Jesus comes back, the gifts of knowledge and prophecy and teaching and leading and mercy and serving and all of these, I'm not going to wrap, but all of these gifts that God gives us, listen, they're going to be rendered unnecessary because everything is going to be perfect because the perfect one has returned. Say it a little louder. Amen. That's right. This is going to be, this is what we long for. The perfection of love for all to see, all to experience. So whatever we do that is good and whatever measure of love we do it with, it pales in comparison. It is but the faintest whisper of that which is to come. The perfect is coming. And we will exercise our gifts with love until that day. Paul ends by saying in verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so, so let me just speak from the heart for just a minute, and then we're going to wrap up, and we're going to sing that song again. That's a good song. One of the concerns I have with how we've gone about this same God series on the spiritual gifts. And if you're new to Redemption Hill, we're thankful you're here. Welcome. Okay, we've been talking about spiritual gifts for now, six weeks counting today. And uh, it's been very, like, instructive. It's been very, uh, like, teaching-oriented to help us understand what the gifts are and what they mean for today. But, but, but you and I both know that we could not only do like a seven-week same God series, we could do a 77-week or 777, like seven th- like we, could, we could just spend every week learning, 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 and not do anything. But the way of love, the way of love, Love compels us. Love fills our heart in such a way that as we look at the people around us, listen, we have to move. We have to step out. We have to encourage someone, pray for someone, serve someone, meet a need. Listen, how many times do we have to say it? Even though we're not talking about practical this and that and we'll get to all this and that. And we have fire and I can talk about that in the service. But listen. You don't have to be gifted to go do something. You don't have to have the gift of giving to give a, give a gift to somebody. You don't have to have to, you guys, you get it. Love motivates us. And then love characterizes everything we do as we walk in the fullness of God's spirit and live like Jesus. And so I want to just pray the words of Ephesians 3 as we bring our time to a close. And, and I want you, if, if you know the love of Christ, listen, the love of Christ, God made you for a loving relationship. 
And, and our fundamental flaw as human beings is this, is that we've rejected God's love. We said, God, you know what, I'll do my own thing. I'll choose my own path. I know like, you, you may love me, but I, I'm not going to really receive your love. And that's why we have been separated from God. And that's why we need Christ to come and for God to display his love for us. And that while we are separated from him and, and sinful people, that Jesus died in our place to bring us back to God, to have this relationship with him again to where our love can be full and complete and, and, and all that God wants it to be. And so listen, if you've received that love, if you haven't received that love, receive it today. God loves you like that. But if you have received that love, then probably if you're anything like me, you need to say, God, help me know it and help me be filled with it so that I can then overflow it. And that's exactly what Paul prays here in Ephesians chapter 3. He says this, for this reason I bow my knees. It's okay to get down on your knees. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family on heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened.